0: Well, good morning, church. I I wish you could see what I see for more reasons than you can see me on that screen. I wish you didn't have to see that, but I wish you could see what, what I see standing here. This is awesome. You know what just occurred to me? I only have to do half my job today because I only have to <laughs> preach one time. How, how many of y'all are from second service, though? How many of y'all second service? I like that it's evenly dispersed. I figured second, all one service would be kind of clumped up, but that's good. Second service, I, I have to apologize to you, though, right off the bat, because usually I get to warm up and practice with first service before second service, so I'm sorry. I do think about the story. I don't think I've told y'all this story, but if I have, I always say if I've told this Stop. Don't, don't stop me. I'm going to tell it anyway. But I, I always think about that story of that preacher, kind of an older preacher. He and his wife had been married for, I don't know, 40, 50 years. And, and he, one afternoon, he was kind of looking through the closet in their house and he found this, this shoebox. And inside the shoebox was like $301 bills and three eggs. And he thought, what in the world is my wife doing? You know why? $300 and three, what is this all about? And so he says, honey, come here. I, I found something I need to ask you about. So she comes in there and he says, what, what is this shoebox with money and eggs in it? She says, well, I really, honey, I, I hoped that you would never find that. And I, I hoped that I would never have to tell you about that. But, you know, over the years, as you preached every sermon, there were some times where I thought, mm, that I was, I was bad. And, and I didn't want to tell you because I didn't want to hurt your feelings, so every time you preached a bad sermon, I put an egg in the box. And he thought, that's not bad. I mean, 50 years of marriage, three eggs, that's great. And she said, yeah, but, you see, when I got a dozen eggs, I would sell them for a dollar, so. <laughs> I've told you... Almost every week, I know not every week, but almost every week for a year and a half that I love you, I love this church, and I think something special is happening with these people. Not just something special, something special can happen with any group, anywhere, but something spiritual is happening in you and has been happening for a very long time. God is doing something special with this group of people. And I I wish every week we could be together like this. We just can't logistically be together like this. But we are. Every week, we are one church. The Church of Christ that meets on McDermott Road is one church. And what God is doing in this church with these people, with you and through you, is amazing. And I love to see God doing it. I love to sit back and see what God is doing in you. But this morning, I want to tell you a story about a different church, a church that you you may not have ever heard of before. You may never have spent time thinking about this church, but it's a church whether you you know it or not, or have ever thought about it or not. It's not in this state. It's not in Texas. You've never been there, probably but this church has changed your life. Whether you know it or not, this church has changed your life because this church has actually changed the world. In fact, not a single person in this room would consider themselves a Christian. None of us would call ourselves Christians if it wasn't for this particular church. This church was amazing. And you and I have been impacted and affected by the legacy ...of this church. And I think it will change us... ...it will change you and it will change me... ...to spend a little bit of time... ...thinking about this particular church... ...this morning. You see, because before this particular church existed... ...following Jesus was just a Jerusalem thing. It was something... ...there were people outside of Jerusalem... ...but for the most part... ...following Jesus was something that happened in Jerusalem... ...and it was most definitely a Jewish thing. And if you weren't ethnically Jewish you weren't a follower of Jesus. Because everybody, everybody, both those inside and outside of following Jesus, inside and outside of the church, everybody just kind of saw Christianity or this Jesus movement, this way, as Luke calls it. Everybody just kind of saw that as a sect of Judaism. see, but Everything changed in Jerusalem one day when, when they decided that's it. They had, they had kind of put up with Christians long enough and the Jewish leaders said enough. And they, they arrested a young man and they, they stoned him to death. And that caused a horrible persecution to break out in Jerusalem. And people's doors were kicked in, kicked in their, people's possessions were being taken, people were being arrested, people were being killed. And so, the followers of Jesus in Jerusalem dispersed and they scattered all over the place. And they went out from Jerusalem, which actually was a negative beginning, but had a great, great result. See, because every town they came to, they would go, because they were all Jews, they would go and they'd find probably the synagogue in that particular town. And they'd meet other people that were like them and spoke their language and thought like them. And they were familiar with the law and the prophets They were familiar with Moses and Abraham and all the promises that God had made to Abraham and to Israel and to the Jews. And so they were familiar with the idea of the Messiah and they were familiar with all of those things. So it was easy to go and find their fellow Jews and say, hey, listen, Jesus is the Messiah. And some of them would believe that and put their trust and their hope in Jesus, the Messiah. But everywhere they went, they only talked to other Jews, People that weren't Jews, they they just didn't bother or maybe they thought they wouldn't understand or maybe they thought it's just too hard and difficult to speak to people and teach people outside of our own little ethnic group. But that all changed when some of those people started to share the good news about Jesus with non-Jews, with Gentiles. And it happened, a lot of it happened in a city called Antioch. So that's where I want to read with you this morning in Acts chapter 11. If you have your Bible, Acts chapter 11, and we'll start in verse 20. It said, There were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch... Now, listen, Antioch wasn't a little town. Sometimes I think when we think back to ancient stories and we think back to ancient cities and ancient churches and ancient Christians, we kind of get the wrong picture in our head. Antioch wasn't a village or a town. It was the third largest city in the world. This was a huge metropolitan area a huge area of trade and commerce, only behind uh, Rome and Alexandria. Those were the only two cities in the entire world that were bigger than Antioch. And there were people from all different backgrounds, all different ethnic groups, all different kinds of people. And in this city, these men began to share the good news about Jesus with people other than just the Jews. They spoke to the Hellenists, that's the Greeks, also preaching the Lord Jesus and the hand of the Lord was with them. What does that mean? The hand of the Lord was with them? It means Jesus was with them. They were partnering, they were partnering together with Jesus and Jesus was blessing their efforts and Jesus was working with them to help the good news of his kingdom to spread, not just to Jews, but to Gentiles as well, to people Of every nation and every tongue and every culture, preaching the Lord Jesus, and the hand of the Lord was with them. And listen to these words a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Now, I want you to pay attention to that phrase, a great number, because Luke is going to use similar phrases as we go throughout this story of this church, this gathering of people in Antioch. Because sometimes I think we get it in our head, not everybody gets this in their head, but sometimes I think we get it in our head that we shouldn't care about numbers. You've heard that before? You've heard people say we shouldn't be so concerned about numbers. Now, I, I agree to some extent that there's a time where we, we think about church growth and we think about church numbers and we just think about numbers when we have to realize that those numbers are all people. See, I don't like it when people say we shouldn't be so concerned about numbers. Luke was concerned about numbers. He said a great number of them believed. And you know why Luke was concerned about numbers? Because Jesus was concerned and is concerned about numbers. It's a great thing when a great number of people believe in Jesus. That's when you say amen, right? A great thing when a great number of people believe in Jesus. Amen? Amen. It's a good thing that in this city, a great number of people were saying, you know what, you're right. I believe that. I believe that Jesus is the Christ the son of the living God. I'm going to give my allegiance to him, not to Rome, not to Caesar, but to Jesus, the Christ. Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus, God's anointed one. Jesus, the one who reigns as king of kings and Lord of lords. And these people that weren't familiar in their background with Judaism and the law and the prophets and the promises and the coming Messiah, they learned, they studied, they listened, they heard and they believed a great number of them believed and turned to the Lord now look at verse 22 the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem something something's happening way up there in Antioch something bizarre is happening there's there's non-Jews that are believing in our Messiah there's non-Jews that are that are believing that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. There's non-Jews that are adopting Jesus's way of life and saying they want to follow him. And so they heard it and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. You remember Barnabas, Barnabas? That's not even his real name. It's a nickname. It means son of encouragement. Barnabas was an encourager. So they didn't send Barnabas up there as a spy, like go find out what they're doing, but sent him up there to encourage this and find out what's going on Why are these people turning to the Lord? And so Barnabas goes up to Antioch. And it says, when he came, look at verse 23, I love this phrase. When he came and saw the grace of God. Isn't that a good phrase? Saw the grace of God. You see, when you see people coming to Jesus, you see the grace of God. When you see people being baptized, you see the grace of God. When you see lives being transformed, you see the grace of God. When you see a multi-ethnic group of people coming together and saying what we have that's different, And what we have that's not in common is far less important than what we have in common. And though we come from different places and we speak different languages and we come from different cultures and we're parts of different ethnic groups and we have different kinds of families and different kinds of traditions and backgrounds and holidays and everything else, we all believe in Jesus. And Jesus and the Spirit of God are the ones bringing this group of people together and Barnabas gets there and he says, I can see the grace of God. Church, if we can't see that here, we're not looking hard enough. Amen? When we look at what's going on here, we see the grace of God. Church, listen, I, I grew up, probably like a lot of you, I grew up, I grew up in, a, in a small congregation in, in northwest Kansas. And if I wanted to be with other Christians outside of my congregation, I mean, we had to drive miles, I mean, like hundreds of miles, not just 20 miles across town or something like that. We had to drive a long way to be. I didn't even think there were other Christian teenagers in the world. I couldn't have even imagined this many people coming together to worship God and celebrate what we have in common. Church, listen, this isn't something to take lightly. And not just today, I don't just mean today, I don't just mean September 9th, I mean every Sunday, what's going on at McDermott Road is powerful, and it's awesome, and it's because the hand of the Lord is on us, and we should open our eyes and see this is the grace of God. It's the grace of God that's changing you. He is is changing you, isn't he? And you're a different person today than you were last year at this time. And you're a different person than you were two years ago or five years ago or 15 years ago. The Lord is changing you. And just as he's changing you individually, he's changing you collectively as a part of this body or whatever whatever body of believers you're a part of. Look around and see what Barnabas saw. See the grace of God. And it says he was glad. He was glad and he exhorted them. To remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. See, that's what I need. That's what you need. We, need. we need weekly, don't we? We need weekly, not just occasionally, not monthly, not quarterly. We we need to be exhorted to remain faithful and in, in your purpose. To all keep pulling in the same direction and keep doing what you're doing. Stay with the same goals and the same vision and the same purpose and fulfill your calling. Because Jesus is calling you to a certain kind of life. Not just just to not do bad stuff. But to accomplish the will of God in the world. To bring the kingdom of heaven to every corner of the globe. To to bring about the doing of God's will on earth as it is in, in heaven. That That's the church in Antioch's goal and purpose. And Barnabas shows up to say, stay on task and don't give up. And he encouraged them and exhorted them to be faithful to their purpose and keep doing what they needed to be doing. Verse 24, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Now again, look at this phrase. And a great many people were added to the Lord. don't tell me, don't tell me that every church in the first century was this tiny little group of, you know, maybe two or three families that kind of got together. That's not what the text says, is it? It says a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And a great many people were added to the Lord. I mean, Luke keeps emphasizing it over and over and over again. There were crowds that were being converted to Jesus. And Barnabas was excited about it. He was thrilled about it. He was glad about it. And as Jesus continues to save people and change people and convert people and transform people, we ought to share in that gladness. You see, because this is where it all started. But it spread from Antioch. And you and I have been impacted by the great number of people in Antioch who believed. And the great numbers that were coming to the Lord. Look at verse 25. So Barnabas went to Tarsus, to look for Saul. Now that's Saul of Tarsus, or you might better know him as Paul. Now Paul was already a follower of Jesus, but what you may not know is that when Paul first started following Jesus, he went to Arabia for three years. And then after a short trip to Jerusalem, he went up to Tarsus, his hometown where he was from, for about seven years. So it's been about a decade since Paul became a follower of Jesus. And we really haven't heard much from Paul since then other than this quick trip. And he's been up there in Tarsus. And Barnabas says, something special is going on here. And we need more teachers. We need more apostles. We need more prophets. We need more encouragers. We need more teachers. And he goes up to Tarsus and he brings Saul to Antioch. It says, verse 26, when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year they met with the church, the gathering. Wes, hold on a second. I thought you said there were a great number of people and there were a great many people coming to the Lord. How could there be one church? How did they figure that out logistically? Who cares, right? I mean, who cares? I don't care. I don't know where they met, but I know the word church means assembly, means gathering. It means to congregate and come together. And they came together in one place. This great number of people, this great many people came together. And they worshipped together. And they studied together. And they learned together. And they worked together. It says that for a whole year, Saul and, and Barnabas met with the church and taught again. He just keeps on, doesn't he? Luke says, a great many people. And in Antioch, now listen to this, and in Antioch, the disciples were first, here's an interesting phrase, called Christians. It doesn't say they they took on the name of Christians. It doesn't say they called themselves Christians. It says they were called Christians. And most people believe that this was a name or a description that somebody outside of, probably the people in the community gave to them. Some people think it's derogatory and say, oh, it's Jesus people, those Christ followers, those people that think Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ. I don't know whether it's derogatory or not. It really doesn't matter. What matters to me is this, is that the people of the community in Antioch knew who they were and they knew what they were all about. They had a reputation in Antioch. I mean, how could they not have a reputation when a great number of people are following Jesus and their lifestyle is being turned upside down and they're saying, we're not going to worship the same gods we used to worship or do the things we used to do or go the places we used to go. Now our life is different. Now we're a follower of Jesus of Nazareth, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And they told people about him. How do you know they told people? They had to, right? Because otherwise, great numbers of people don't come unless the people that believe open their mouth and share it with somebody. And even the people that didn't believe say those are Christians. And do you see? You and I, we we call ourselves Christians. And that started right there in Antioch. It started right there in Antioch because a great number of people turned to the Lord. A great number of people believed a great number of people were taught. And because of that teaching and that belief and that conversion and that repentance and everything that went on in Antioch, now you and I proudly wear the name Christian. That's quite a legacy, isn't it? That's quite a legacy that the church in Antioch started, but it, it actually doesn't end there. If you were to keep reading on in, in the book of Acts, you'd see that things like this happen they collected and sent money. In the same chapter, they collected and sent money to the saints in Jerusalem to help the poor and those that were hungry and those that were impacted by the famine. They were able to do that. They were able to help each other. Why? Because a great number of them came together. And when a great number of people come together, a great number of things can get accomplished. Amen? And they were able to collect and and share with each other and send that money down to Jerusalem. And then this church actually were the ones who sent Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. And Paul went to other cities and towns and villages, at least eight different towns, and preached the gospel and baptized people and started churches. Now, why bring that up now? Because the church in Antioch played a part in that, didn't they? Everything that Paul did on that first missionary journey, everything that Barnabas did on that first missionary journey goes back to Antioch. They were the ones that sent sent Paul out. Yes, the Holy Spirit, absolutely. But the Holy Spirit works through people. And it was those, those people at that church that sent Paul out on that first missionary journey. And not just his first. As soon as he got done with that missionary journey, where did he come back to? Antioch. And what did he do? He went out on his second missionary journey. This time he took Silas. And they went to at least 12 different cities. Preached the gospel. Baptized people. Started churches. Churches you've heard of. Places like Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea and Athens and Corinth and Ephesus. And all of that comes back to Antioch. Because it was the Christians at Antioch that sent Paul out on those missionary journeys. And so they share. They share in the credit for what the Spirit of God accomplished through Paul, he also accomplished through the ones who sent Paul out to preach the gospel. And then finally, in the fourth century, Christian historian in the fourth century said that the church in Antioch had grown to about 100,000 Christians in Antioch. Isn't that amazing? And here's what I take away from all that. When a great many people come together in the Lord, a great many things can be accomplished. That's what happens. And yeah, there's, there's nothing inherently bad or good about a small number of people or a big number of people, but I'll tell you what, you, every single one of you, you are an incredibly important part of what God is doing in this great number of people. You are an important part of that. God has brought you together. Even if this isn't your regular church family, at least for today, God has brought you together with us. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then you're a part of the great number of people, at least in the world, that God is bringing together. You see, when when God brings us together, we can accomplish a great many things. And this church has been able to accomplish some of the things we've accomplished because of you and because you're here. And because you're together with us and you're a part of the purpose and the vision and the goals of what's being accomplished and what will be accomplished. You see, because I believe that God isn't done with this church yet. I believe that God isn't done sending a great number of people to us to work together with us to accomplish a great many things. But I have to ask every single one of us, you and me, are you committed to helping this congregation have a legacy Like the church at Antioch. See, that's what I want. That's what I want. Not that anybody will remember our names, but that a great number of people come to know the Lord through the work of this congregation. And the question is are are you committed to that? See, are you committed to us together shining brightly in this community? For this community, like the community at Antioch, to know who we are, to know, oh, whether they smile or they frown when they see us coming, those are Jesus people. They've got a different kind of lifestyle. They have a different kind of way of living. They love everybody and that's just weird. I mean, they even love their enemies. If somebody slaps them on the cheek, what do they do? Turn and let them slap them on the other. That's just bizarre. Those are those followers of Jesus. You see, When we're together, when you're being the light of the world and I'm being the light of the world and we're all being the light of the world, we shine more brightly together than we do apart. Isn't that true? We shine brighter together than we do apart. We can accomplish together what we could never accomplish alone. I mean, seriously, I'm not just saying this to be derogatory towards myself but I feel like I'm the one talent dude you know that parable that Jesus says about the guys with the talents I mean I'm the guy with one talent there's only so much I can do but you you might have two talents or five talents and you put that together with everybody else in this room and we can accomplish more together than any of us can accomplish alone do you see all the great works that are going on through this congregation And it's because of you. It's because we're together that we can do those things. We have have a full-time counselor on our staff. And you probably know that because you've probably visited with Dave at one time or another. Not every congregation is able to do that, but we can. Why? Because of you. Because you've come together to say we're going to help hurting families. And we're going to make sure that when people are hurting and struggling that they have somebody to help them. And we can accomplish that Together, we, we could never do alone. We, we have a tremendous youth and family program and ministry and so many families, probably yours, has been helped and ministered to and have people to encourage your children and you as parents. And we're only able to do that because we're together, working together. We have mission efforts that, that are going throughout the world to Spread the gospel and make sure people are baptized in response to Jesus and plant churches. And we're only able to do that because of you. Mark Bryson, I didn't say Mark's name earlier, but if you see Mark, shake his hand today and give him a hug and say, thank you for putting this together. Because we... We can only have people like Mark and Dave and all of our youth and family and all of our administrative staff and accomplish all that we're able to accomplish in this community and the world because of our togetherness. And so my question for Wes, my question for you is, are you participating in that? Are you committed to that? That's our word this year, isn't it? Committed. Because of what God has done for you, because of God's commitment to your salvation, Are you committed to being together with these people? Not just together on Sunday mornings. That, yes, absolutely that. And encourage each other on Sunday mornings. But together on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. To reach our community. To reach the world. To shine brightly. To be a city set on a hill. To be the light of the world. To be the salt of the earth. Are you committed to doing that together with this church family or with a church family. You may not even live in this area, but I want to encourage you to be together with the church. That's Jesus' plan for you. And it's how he accomplishes his will is through a bunch of one-talent people that he brings together. We could shine brighter together than we can apart. And maybe this morning, maybe you're apart, maybe you're away, maybe because you've never become a Christian and never put Jesus on in baptism, or, or maybe stuff happens, doesn't it? And you, you got busy the first week, and, and then something else came up the second week and the third week, and before you know it, you've kind of drifted away from your church family. This, this morning would be a tremendous time. Come back home. Come back home. You can come and we'll pray with you and encourage you, or you don't even have to do that. You can just decide right where you are. I'm going to be a stronger part of this congregation. I'm going to go back home to my church family. I'm going to work hard together with them so that together we can shine brightly in the world. Or maybe you are just solidly, maybe you're just tired. You've been working so hard and doing so much and and accomplishing so much. And maybe you're just tired and you need prayers, encouragement. Maybe you need to share the burden with somebody else. Let somebody else help you to pull. Listen, we can't know what's going on in your heart or in your mind unless you tell us. Let us pray with you. Let us know your struggles. I say this every week, but it feels even more true today. We're in this together. Let your church family help you any way we can. You can come forward right now as together we stand and sing this song.